God doesn't want us to remain stuck in the hopeless dark of our mistakes. So he sent his light to the world. God is personally invested in our transformation. And you know what? It still amazes me. As old as I am, I'm still amazed that God came as a tiny baby in the middle of the night. Welcome to the Athens First United Methodist Church Sermons Podcast. I'm Kayla Thomason, a member of the communications team. We hope you enjoy this weekly resource. Just got to catch my breath after that beautiful anthem. Isn't it marvelous? The things that give us hope. Music is one of the most hopeful things I know of. I think the choir feels it too as they sing. I can watch them go up on their tippy toes. Have you seen them? Some of them are are reaching for the heavens as they sing. It's a beautiful sight. So many things give us hope. Have you looked in your bulletin and looked for hope ever in your bulletin? Do you see signs of hope there and the prayers that are carefully chosen and the flowers that are put in memory of uh, Pat Carden? You may not have known Pat Carden, but I did. And Pat used to sing in the choir. So it's hopeful to me to see her name called in that way and her remembered in that way because one day, I hope that's you and I. I hope we are celebrated and remembered. We will be in a place where there's glory. That's where our hope uh, hinges on, isn't it? That's that's where we we know one day uh, we'll be there. So what do we do here now? We we hang on to hope. Now we use hope a lot. I hope I uh, get to have coffee this morning. Um, I hope I get to see that person I've been wanting to see. I hope that I get an A on the test. There are a thousand ways we use the word hope. I hope there's a national championship in our future. I can almost taste it. 12 and 0 for the first time since 1980. I mean, really, that's some joy for me. I have some hope. Do you have some hope? There are, there are many, many things that we hope in, but the thing that, that draws us here today, the reason there are trees with these powerful symbols on them and wreaths in the window and an Advent candle and beautiful anthems chosen, our hope is in Jesus Christ. That's where we truly find the hope we most need. Our scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Isaiah was a prophet of the Lord, and the choir just gave attention to words from Isaiah. He had a dream. He saw something remarkable. His own circumstances were miserable. There was difficulty in his life, but he could see uh, with God's help what would yet be. He could see that the leopard would would be able to play with the lamb. He could see peace and love and joy lived out in the human community and no darkness could prevail. And so we hear in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, more of what vision Isaiah saw. Hear the word of God on this blessed day. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Let us pray. God, pour out your spirit upon us as we gather and prepare for your coming. 
We've got a lot of things on our list that we already want to accomplish, but sweep it all away so that we might thoroughly focus on you. You sent your son out of great love, and you have given us hope that can never be taken away from us. Let your light shine in this time to your glory. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. I hope your table was full. I hope your refrigerator was, is still overloaded. I hope you got to see the people that you wanted to see. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. I love it so much. And I flash back to my childhood, as you might too, some of you, some of you are, are in your childhood, but some will have to flash back. And I have to flash back now in a big way. But there's something about Thanksgiving that every time I consider this, I go, ooh, I remember there was a time that I sat at a different table. And I wanted to be at that table because that table looked way more exciting and that's where the grown-ups were. You ever sit at the kids' table? Anybody? Raise your hand. Kids' table? Yes, we all had to kind of spend some time at the kids' table until, until the day would come when we got promoted to the big table. I don't know if you remember or can taste that day. I don't even remember because there were so many people in my household. Uh, we just had to make do with many different tables, but I, 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 can, I can remember that there was a time I was considered grown up. For my friend Kathy, uh, she sat at the kids' table longer than most people. She never would say why. That's okay. She just confessed that she sat at the kids' table for a really long time, but the day came, the day finally came when she got a chance to sit at the big table. And let me just tell you, Kathy was pumped. She was so excited. She was overwhelmed with her enthusiasm for this moment, long awaited. And so Kathy knew she had to absolutely behave and be perfect at the table. So sit up straight, Kathy. She's at the table. She's so pumped. She knew she had to put her napkin in her lap, so she took the napkin and she put it in her lap. She made sure it was secure. And Kathy was so enthusiastic, so wanting to impress all those at the table with her grown-upness, that the moment someone said, oh, I forgot to get tea, Kathy said, I'll get it. And she leaped up from the table. There was one problem. She had tucked the tablecloth into her lap, not her napkin. I know. Don't you feel all the feelings about that? Anybody here ever done that? probably just Kathy. But I will say to you, there were consequences. There were consequences. Where do you think Kathy ended up? Yeah, right back at the kid's table. I think she finally got out of there when she was about 35. <laughs> Our hopes get dashed in this world sometimes, don't they? In Kathy's case, she hoped all would go smoothly, and she will, would have earned that place at the table and make that transition from childhood into adulthood. But it didn't go well. And she had to start over. Have you ever had to start over? Have you ever had to begin again? It doesn't tickle. It doesn't always feel good. It can be a very disheartening, hopeless feeling when you realize, I went three steps forward, now I'm eight steps back. How did that happen? Kathy's situation had put her back at the kids' table. But that's not the end of the world, is it? Starting over is actually one of the most hopeful things that a person can engage in. 
That's a privilege to get to begin again. A fresh start matters. The old must go away. Kathy's situation had to go into the past and she had to learn new ways of keeping calm and not tucking the tablecloth into her lap so carefully. Distinguishing the napkin from the tablecloth was, I'm sure, a very educational moment for her. As it was for us, we all had to learn that at some point. So starting over is not a shameful thing. It's a very hopeful thing. I've learned some serious lessons in my life where I had to start over. Has that been the case for you? That's not a bad thing. That is a growing thing, a good thing. Jason had been going down a very dark, dismal road for quite some time. He wasn't sure how he got there, but that's where he was. He said, I wasn't the person God created me to be. And I was doing things I swore I would never do. And I was becoming a person I had sworn I would never become. I was digging myself a hole that eventually felt too deep to climb out of. That's what was going on in Jason's life. Have you ever tasted something like that? Where suddenly you found yourself at the bottom, the deepest, darkest place, not sure how you got there, but not sure how you were going to get out. He said, I had convinced myself that there was no way out of this darkness. Did you hear that? I had convinced myself There was no way out of this darkness. I felt stuck. I was depressed, lonely, searching for worth in all the wrong places, and I was sure that God wanted nothing to do with me. Do you think Jason was right? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There is no darkness God's light cannot overcome. We declare that over and over again. We repeat ourselves in church all the time. What candle did we light last year on this day? Hope. We're lighting it again. We're not going to stop lighting the candle of hope. We have to refresh. We have to start over. We have to give ourselves that opportunity. For Jason, he said it wasn't until he learned to drop his guard Admit that it was okay not to be okay. He had to learn to share his hurt with others and grab hold of God. That's what he had to do. Until he was ready to do that, things weren't going to change. But the moment he did, they began to change. And he said it wasn't overnight. It wasn't immediate. He said it took time, lots of time, and It did not prevent darkness from trying to control him on a daily basis. Hope was there. That's what he gives testimony to. Hope was there and hope was present. Can you feel and hear how that nourished him to take maybe one more little step closer to the man God saw that he could be? Isaiah had a dream, but God was giving Jason a dream and renewing his life. 
Jason's testimony reminds me that hope in its purest form has the quality of light. It helps us see things that we didn't see before. It inspires us to expect with confidence that something good is coming, despite how awful our circumstances may be, despite how hopeless we may feel. God doesn't want us to remain stuck in the hopeless dark of our mistakes. So he sent his light to the world. God is personally invested in our transformation. And you know what? It still amazes me. As old as I am, I'm still amazed that God came as a tiny baby in the middle of the night. Here's your hope. And the baby cries. How amazing is our God that his light can shine in the darkest of places. God wants our transformation, and that baby he knew would be our greatest chance for change. I'm not sure why, but sometimes we don't want to change. Does that happen in your life where you go, "Hmm, I don't want to change. I know I should change. All of us have a long list. Here's what I should change, right? Or someone's given it to you. (laughs) Here's what I should change. But I don't know what it is about us. I want to change. Dig our heels in, or we're just too tired, or that's too hard. There's many, many reasons why people just don't want to change. You know what I think? Walking in the dark is awful at first, isn't it? When you can't find your way, but then something happens. Our eyes adjust to the darkness. So I think that might happen in lives like Jason's and in lives like mine and in lives like yours, where we just become too familiar with the darkness. It can be tempting to stay where you are in the familiar dark, but darkness doesn't do us any good, does it? No. Darkness encourages us to hide. Darkness steals our joy and disturbs our peace, yet we get familiar and we don't want to move. Darkness can convince you that you are not loved, which is not true. You are so deeply, deeply loved. And it's something worth considering and remembering and reminding one another Darkness can easily make you believe nothing will ever be good again. Turning to God tells a different story. It leads us back into the light. It gives us a chance to renew our hope. It sheds light on how to turn over a new leaf. Shows us the kind of people we are meant to be. People who walk in the light. That's who God sees us as. And what could possibly be more hopeful than the light of our Savior coming into our lives? Jason's testimony includes in it an observation. When he made that turn, when he began to awaken to God's presence in his life, when he began to start making those changes, he said the darkness started to subside. And hope began infiltrating every crevice of my life. Isn't that beautiful? 
Do you have places that are still dark? Circumstances that have overwhelmed you or undermined you? Is the darkness still kind of clutching at you? This is a Sunday for reflecting on how God's hope meets us and lightens our darkness by His very presence. He's deeply invested in our transformation. God doesn't want us stuck. He wants us moving closer to Him, ever closer, till light fills every corner of our hearts and minds. Isn't that a beautiful vision? See yourself in that light, because that's how God sees you. I was playing with my four-year-old. She's not four now. She's a grown woman. But she was four long ago. And we had toys spread all over the floor, and we were having a grand time. It was in the season of Advent. And so one of the things we had on the floor there that we were working with was the major scene. We had all the figures, all the biblical presences were there uh, for her to enjoy. But we, we played with all kinds of things. But time came when we needed to put everything back because that's what you do. You have to put everything back, and it takes some time, but we began to do that together. The last thing we came to was the manger scene, and we began to do that, and she stopped me. She grabbed me. She said, Mommy. I said, What, sweetie? She said, The baby is missing. She said, Where is the baby? We have to find the baby. And I could tell she was intently Serious. Now, you and I know I had other nativity scenes. I could have subbed in a baby Jesus from this crash over here. So I wasn't real hopeful because it was tiny. But she was filled with hope and determination. We have to find the baby Jesus. And so I was pressed in that moment to ask. I wanted to know. I said, sweetie, why do we have to find baby Jesus? And she said, because he loves me. So we went searching. And we found that little baby and placed him back in the manger. But you know what occurred to me? Jesus was already there, filling her heart with hope and mine. Hope isn't like making a wish on your birthday cake when you blow out your candles. It's not. It has so much more power than we realize or give credit for. The Old Testament words for hope are kava and tikva, and both mean to trust and wait expectantly. Jeremiah says God has plans for us to give us a hope and a future. Trust, wait expectantly. That's what hope means. So there's a stance, there's an attitude that you are having as you look at the Old Testament. When the psalmist says, hope in the Lord, place your attitude, your feeling in that framework. The New Testament uses the verb apizo and the noun apis to relay its message. The difference here between the Old Testament understanding of hope as a feeling, as a stance, is that the New Testament hope is invested in and focused on someone. The person of Jesus Christ. 
hope has been fulfilled and realized in Jesus Christ. Tammy Kennington wrote that biblical hope rests in the sure and confident expectation that God who sent Christ to pay the penalty for our sins will meet all our needs both in the present and for all of eternity. So many things we have hope of are temporary, aren't they? They won't last. I love coffee. It's temporary. What we have in Christ is eternal. The hope we've been given in Jesus is filled with light, and this light helps us grow as Christians. We don't run and hide as believers because we know life gets hard. We pull together and we lean out in faith and hope. We hold on to the promises of Jesus Christ and we shine as a result. That's what happens. And what God is seeking to accomplish in our hearts and minds. Darkness still exists, we can agree. But don't let that threaten you. Don't let that throw you. The light of Christ overcomes all darkness. When we grieve, we grieve as ones who have hope. When we hurt, we don't have to hurt alone. We may feel hopeless again, but we have someone to call out to who hears our cries and a community of faith to lean on. We have hope. And our hope is in Jesus Christ. And there's healing power there that can help us in ways we may not be aware of. Notice hope. Look for hopeful things. Become a hopeful person. Maybe you're struggling with that, but I want to tell you, we don't have a candle that's a worry candle. Would you like one? Is that the candle you would like to light? No. We want to have hope in our lives, but it has to be noticed. It has to be cultivated. It must be received, and it must be shared. Share your hope with others. Isn't a hopeful person a wonder to be around? Don't you feel lifted up? People who are sick need hopeful people speaking hope into their lives. People who are struggling need hopeful people to surround them. Let it be us. Hope reduces feelings of helplessness, lifts our spirits and lowers our stress and improves our quality of life. Our hope in Jesus definitely gives us something better to think about than all the stuff we tend to worry about. Advent's begun today. The candle of hope has been lit. We're on our way to collecting more beautiful things to make us ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Soon we'll come to the table to share in the grace of our Lord and Savior. Let hope shine in our hearts throughout this season. Help us to start fresh. Our hope is in Jesus and no situation is too hopeless for him. Not one. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. God specializes in hopeless situations. Our hope is in Jesus, our Lord, Emmanuel. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Communicate to us once more the hope we have in Jesus Christ. And may our lives be transformed by his presence. Whatever hopelessness we may feel or encounter, we know it's not too hard for you. We trust you will lead us out of the darkness and into your marvelous light. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC.